Catastrophic Curses, Powerful Paranoia, and Lethal Lollies. We watch Higurashi when they cry, and we're here to answer the question, was it a kawaii disappointment? Hello everyone and welcome back to Quiet Disappointment, your weekly journey through the worlds of anime. With you as always is me, your host, producer at Weave of All Trades, and God's loyal subject, subject to hundreds of years of torment, PJ. And me. Hi, I'm Saki Kibara. I mean, Kimura. I mean, Sadashi. I mean, Keichi. I mean, Skylar. And joining us today, once again, is our dear friend and deeply horror-opposed new weeb, Lauren. That's me. I'm the one who's going to be holding your hand way too tight through this corn maze. <laughs> corn is terrifying. Well, today we are... Yeah, it's a very scary band. I was going to well, say Today the same we are thing. having Lauren watch Higurashi when they cry as we finish out Horror Month. Okay. You don't understand. Corn is practically built into our DNA because it's used in so many food as like an unhealthy kind of si- like substance. Never mind. It's the horror of like food distribution. Continue, Ooh. PJ. That's spooky. Well, Lauren, why don't you tell me, based on the name alone, Higurashi, When They Cry, what did you think this anime was going to be about? Okay, um, so I thought this was going to be about a psychic because they're correctly predicting that I am going to cry when I watch this anime, and you can't watch scary parts through your tears. So that's my game plan. I'm just going to cry the whole time. <laughs> Therapeutic. Thank you. No, but um, I did go with a psychic vibe because I was like, that's the first thing I thought of. Might as well stick with it. So I think it's about psychics who can sense when people are going to be in distress or like when they're going to cry, if you will. I don't know if they're the ones who sense people are going to be in distress and then they make those events happen because this is horror month or if it's like a band of renegades who are trying to make people not cry from all the horrors in their lives. So it could go either way. Uh, well, once you saw the poster, did your thoughts change? Uh, I definitely went for this is a, a group of people who are trying to prevent sadness and dismay from happening in people's lives. That's where I leaned towards. Well, let's see what uh, role each of these people play in this plot to stop sadness. <laughs> So why don't you tell me about this girl with the green hair? She's clearly the leader of the group. Um, She's extremely confident. She has her shit together. She's the one responsible for training the new recruits to this little group. And she totally ships the girl with red hair and the little boy behind her. Like 100%. She's into this. Well, tell me about the redhead then. The redhead, she is super, super into the boy. She's the green hair girl's second in command. Uh, She's very bubbly. She's very happy. She is the sunshine of the group. She's the one who like probably was the one of the ringleaders with the green haired girl be like, hey, we should do this. People don't deserve sadness because she's so happy all the time. And the boy in the center? That's our smart boy. He's also super into the ginger girl. Listen, this is the first time I got the vibes of like these people are like into each other just from a poster. This is happening. They're definitely Ross and Racheling it though. Like will they, won't they? He's very practical. He's very laid back. He's the the brains of the group. He probably helps them track down the people who are going to be sad. Okay. And then this blonde girl? Uh, that is the redhead girl's sister. Um, she's just excited to be here because she's at that age where the most important thing in life is which princess you get to play in your game of imagination. She's very lighthearted, very sweet. She's probably emotional. I get the vibe that she might cry a lot. So maybe they have to also deal with the inner turmoil from their group within. The crying was coming from inside the group. The whole time. Oh my God. What a twist. 
And then finally, this blue-haired girl. She is the quiet, shy one who really comes alive only to like her group of friends, which is uh, this group of people. Um, I get the feeling that she becomes like the goth girl in high school, but she always has this group that she can fall back on and she can like be herself with and they can help her evolve into the human she eventually becomes. I don't like how specifically you called out human. <laughs> the oh, human she eventually becomes. I, I don't know. I didn't want to assume she stayed a girl the whole time, if that's not her vibe. That's <laughs> inclusive. I like that's it. inclusive <laughs> in like the creepiest way possible. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm catching this horror vibe month. It's like if someone were to come out to you as trans and you were all, and, you, and your response was like, well, we are all but sacks of flesh. What gender we ascribe to ourselves is merely a construct of this feeble mind we are. I mean, to. technically. You'd be right, and you'd be very inclusive, but damn, would you be creepy. That was a spot-on impression of me. I was like, wow, is that what I sound like? Hello, which is I, <laughs> Lauren. It's way better than the one he does with me, so. Oh, oh, that's some, that's a hot take. I've not heard PJ's impression of Skylar. I don't make a purposeful impression of Skylar. I just make a very annoying impression of Skylar. <laughs> Skylar! That's kind of what I go for <laughs> half the time. That's the vibe. <laughs> all right. Well, I like all of those predictions. So we're going to take a quick break and watch episodes one and two of Higurashi When They Cry New, which is the remake of Higurashi When They Cry, and uh, get Lauren's thoughts. So stay tuned, everyone. All right, we're back. We had Lauren watch episodes one and two of Higurashi When They Cry New. Lauren, tell me, what did you think? I am so creeped out. I have no idea what's happening in this little town. I'm so uncomfortable. What made you so uncomfortable? Oh my God, the vibes. All of it was so off. As someone who has seen a lot of this series and the original, these vibes were so... I was like, when is this going to get scary? How dare you? I was scared <laughs> literally the entire time. We were watching it together, Lauren, and I was like, I bet Lauren is so stressed out right now. Nothing's happening, but like she's going to be so stressed. I, I guess was right. I'm glad Skylar's right. I was scared. I was so, so high-key stressed the entire time. All right. Well, I don't see why, but let's get through some housekeeping and figure out why maybe you would have been scared. This is just, this is disrespect all around. All right. Well, Higurashi When They Cry is based <laughs> on a video game series by 7th Expansion that released on multiple platforms from 2002 to 2019. The games are light visual novels, though there are some spinoffs that are different genres. Light visual novels uh, means they're mostly story with some choices you make along the way to determine the final outcome. All told, between each arc and spinoff, there are 21 games. In 2005, a manga adaptation of Higurashi was released, written by Ryukishi7 and published by Square Enix. It ran from March 2005 to November of 2011 for 38 volumes. In 2006, the first anime adaptation of Higurashi When They Cry was released. Directed by Shiaki Kon and done by Studio Dean, it ran from April to September of 2006 for 26 episodes. It had two sequel series, When They Cry Kai and When They Cry Rei, that ran from July to December of 2007 for 24 episodes and February to August of 2009 for 5 episodes, respectively. There are also three OVAs, a live-action film released in 2009, a live-action drama that aired in 2016 for 10 episodes, and a 17-volume novel series also written by Ryukishi 7. 
Finally, we get to the remake anime, Higurashi When They Cry Go, or New, which aired from October 2020 to March of 2021 for 24 episodes and was directed by Keichiro Kawaguchi for Studio Passion. Keichiro and Passion would also work on the sequel series, When They Cry Sotsu, which aired from July to September of 2021 for 15 episodes, so very recently just ended. With that, let's jump into episodes 1 and 2. An introductory sequence shows Keiichi brutally beating his friends Reina and Mion to death with a baseball bat. Keiichi awakens in his parents' house uh, as they have moved to the village of Hinamayuzawa, where he spends his days with his friends and fellow games club members Reina, Mion, Satoko, and Rika. Mion and Reina give Keiichi a tour of the village and the three have a picnic with Rika and Satoko. Later, he accompanies Reina to help her retrieve a Colonel Sanders mascot statue from the <laughs> dam construction site. Here, Keiichi meets Jiro Tomitake, a wildlife photographer who tells Keiichi about a grisly murder and dismemberment that had occurred at the site several years ago. Keiichi asks Reina about the incident, but she abruptly denies having heard about it. The next day, after playing a game with the rest of the games club, Reina appears distracted and leaves for the nurse's office. Keiichi asks Mion about the murder at the dam construction site, and she also abruptly denies having heard about it. When visiting the dam construction site later, Keiichi comes across an old magazine that covers the dismemberment murder case, confirming that the incident truly had occurred. Reina appears behind Keiichi with a large hatchet, while Rika looks on from a distance, her eyes emitting a red glow. We cut to an older Rika as she awakes in the sea of fragments as Hanyu suddenly appears before her. Hanyu tells Rika that she has been brought back to June 1983 for unknown reasons, and that Hanyu is only a lingering trace of her former self. Though Rika is distraught and confused, she vows to win back the future she and her friends had fought for. Armed with the knowledge she has gained from previous worlds, Rika opens her eyes again, returning to the far-off location where she watched Reina and Keiichi at the dam construction site. Keiichi screams when he sees Reina holding a hatchet and hastily hides the magazine he had been reading. Reina explains that she had brought the hatchet to help them clear debris away from Kentakun. The next day, the club plays tag together. Reina and Keiichi return to the site to get to the statue, and Keiichi has a vision in which he beats Reina and Mion to death with a baseball bat. Reina seems distracted, obtains tarp and rope from the site to wrap the statue and bring it home with her. Later, Keiichi and his friends attend the annual Watanagashi Festival and watch Rika perform a ceremonial dance while Tomitake and Mio Takano meet elsewhere. And that's episodes 1 and 2 of Higurashi When They Cry. Stressed out. Specifically new, because uh, it differs a lot from the original. And in what way does it differ from the original? So this is where I'm going to bring up the elephant in the room for anyone that is a Higurashi When They Cry fan. This, bum bum bum, is actually not a remake. It's a sequel. Oh, a sequel. But it's also a remake. It's very hard to explain. Oh. Um, Is this a Madoka Magica type thing? It's a time loop, baby. It's a time loop? I fucking knew it. That's why Homegirl, when she's talking to God, is like, why am I back in the fucking nightmare times? Yeah, I did. um, I did like that scene. That was one of the few that I was like, I'm not scared right now. You were scared while they were playing fucking like tag? That's one of the other scenes I wasn't scared. This anime does a very, very good job of while there is like all of this normalcy and just like kids being kids of being very off-putting and very, it just has the vibe of like something is wrong. It put me on edge anyway, the entire time. And I just kept moving farther and farther away from my iPad to be like, if I'm farther away, they can't get me, right? It's the Higurashi. Lauren, sponsored by Apple. (laughs) It's all those damn Higurashi. They really add to the tone. Yeah, I guess. What is a higurashi? It's the cicadas that you hear in the background all the time. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes way more sense. 
the title now. Okay. <laughs> they did have a crying lot. constantly. Yeah, they had a, they had a lot to say the entire time. But yeah, so let's like kind of ca- go through this. So we obviously have our hero protagonist boy who looks like every other hero protagonist boy from every other horror anime with that good wholesome family content of beating someone to unrecognizability. Yeah, so it's so I guess I'm my my big role this episode is going to be pointing out the differences between the original and this one. Please In the do. original, it is very much like this has this hasn't happened yet. This scene is separate from the show, and maybe it's just foreshadowing. In this one, they almost play it off like it's like a dream. Mm-hmm. I get that. I got those vibes. Like there were a lot of flashbacks. By the end of the second episode, after seeing like um the little sha- fragment world, I was like, oh, it was a past life bullshit. Okay, okay, okay. Like not past life, but it was like this happened, but it happened differently. That's when I was like, this is fucking Madoka Magica. The other big differences, and honestly, I was like so bummed that they didn't put this in episode two here but i'm pretty sure it's probably just episode three for this anime instead of all the stuff you get with the goddess and with the festival none of that's in episode two in the original what you get is basically keiji gets a call from a a police officer being like hey that wildlife photographer and that woman are missing and we think that reina had something to do with it And then, like, he's, like, trying to cooperate, and he's like, yeah, I don't know, she is pretty suspicious. And then, like, he's, like, on the phone with a police officer, and then his dad's like, hey, is Raina in there? And he's like, why would you think Raina's in here? And he's like, because she came over earlier and asked where your room was. Oh, my God. And then he's like, oh, shit, she was here the whole time. And then you see her just standing outside of his house, staring through at the window with, like, these blank, cold eyes, and you're like, what the fuck? And you get none of that here. (laughs) I'm so glad that Man. we got weird pervert photographer instead. <laughs> it was funny. I was like, okay, which one are we going to watch? And PJ was like, we're going to watch the one Hulu because I don't think Lauren can handle the original. And I was like, oh, so I get it. I, I actually, so I had watched all of episode one and two of both to kind of gauge which one we were going to do for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you know, episode two of the original is scarier and episode two of this one has a lot of like spiritual stuff that i'm not getting and then i started watching some more of the original and i was like oh this is so weird like it feels very different and then i was looking up like hey what are the differences between episodes one and two like right before we started recording so that i would have some basis for this conversation and i watched this like 30 minute video essay explaining every difference and how this is a sequel series and i was like holy shit this is wild dang i know i ruined it by being a scaredy cat but thank you for picking the less scary option i was still scared the whole time let the wiki show honestly what i what i'm excited about is this is such a different anime because it is a sequel so when we get to those context clips ooh, buddy it's gonna be wild oh god i have to watch i'm excited But regardless, let's talk about the most important part of this anime, which is Kentakun, our Kentucky Fried Chicken mascot, (laughs) Kentakun. I was like, wait a second, are they talking about Colonel Sanders? And then sure enough, there he was. So uh, as you may remember, uh, because it is one of my favorite fun facts to spew at people, and I have used it as a question at Bar Trivia before, Mm -hmm. the Japanese love them their KFC. Goddamn, do they love KFC. They love it so much that it is a Christmas dinner tradition in Japan to eat KFC. 
Should we do that for Christmas this year? Eat KFC? Celebrate the Japanese way? Yeah. Gonna mm-hmm. go dig up a Kentakun statue? No, no. I'm not doing that. No, no. The whole time I was watching that scene, I had to keep reminding myself that, like, this isn't another and she's not gonna fall off the car and get impaled and die. But I think I they kind of like, want you to have that feeling that something bad is gonna happen in the in the grave in the graveyard <laughs> in the junkyard <laughs> in the elephant graveyard maybe I don't know well he did the photographer did mention that they never found was it her arm yeah that it was lady's her arm arm and it's just probably somewhere in that trash pit and I'm like oh thank you yeah he was really obsessed with arms he was talking about that arm his dog tags but didn't know that he's in the arm e oh my <laughs> god and with that, it's another Kawaii success in the in book. The book. <laughs> and she's like, episode over. Episode wow. Over. I can't believe I braved all those uh, context <laughs> clips. Oh, what? We didn't do that? No, we did that in a different time loop. You just don't remember because yeah, we're yeah, in yeah, yeah, a yeah. sequel series of our life. This is <laughs> the part where I start brutally murdering Lauren. <laughs> Oh my god, that's Ooh. oh my god, that How? got dark. Oh my you god. and I are in the same house. That's what you're you think. Not. Yeah, that's he's standing how behind me. Yeah. <laughs> With glowing red eyes. But yes, let's let's not too let's not dive too into the time loop stuff. We'll get to that more in the context because it is very important to the context of this anime. Mm-mm. Let's talk about what we actually watched. So obviously they have like a games club, and we have arguably the worst character, which is Satoko. Oh my god, thank you so much. In my notes, I was like, she is a lot. She upset me so much. Also, when they first said her name, I was like, oh, is this a reference to the ring? Sadako? No, it's not. It's spelt differently, so it has different meanings. So I'm, I hate her even more now because I thought it was at least a fun reference to a different horror thing, but it's not. No, she's, she's so annoying. She's, oh yeah, she's God. a bitch. She's, she's so bitch. fucking mean. And when her and Keiichi were fucking eating all the food, I was like, great. Glad you guys are getting all the fucking food, bitches. I, I was so mad. But I will say Satoko has like a very unique kind of outlook in this world. So Satoko is arguably the most immature of the group. Mm-hmm. I would uh, agree. And so, but I mean, like, I think it just, I think Satoko would be annoying anyways, but I think Satoko becomes more annoying because all of her friends are older than her. I don't, I mean, I think she's around the same age as Rika, right? So, oh, well, she's the same age as Rika, yes, but not as yeah. the rest of them. So, PJ, counter-argument, all your friends are older than you by several years, and you're not fucking annoying. I mean, that's well, debatable. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I met you while you were in high school, and I was in college, and you weren't fucking annoying then either. That's debatable. <laughs> that's why. Uh, no, well, no. Okay, so look, all I'm going to say is... She's just very desperate for attention. She wants to be like kind of seen as important in the group. And I think she feels like the only way to do that is to be like better than everyone. And like, I don't know, I feel like it's a very like interesting take on like that kind of energy. Yeah, I guess that's true. I did enjoy her ingenuity with her traps. And All how of she the traps and- were good. Yeah. Yeah. And I enjoyed her and Keiichi being so competitive with each other but she would always just like take it to the next level and like be so mean about how she was so much better and so much smarter than everyone else now it's like get out of here i literally was thinking wow can't wait for her to die 
Is she the one that gets bloodily dismembered? That's fine. No, it's no. not. Well, maybe. Who knows? This isn't a spoiler. This is a horror anime, and you see a death. You see two deaths right up top. If you look up all deaths from just the first season, uh, you know, uh, Higurashi when they cry go. It's like an eighteen minute video. <laughs> Oh my god. Why is everyone dying? <laughs> it's wild. Oh my god. Is it the cicadas? Is it it's the, the cicadas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're crying because people are dying, probably. Or are they crying throats? and their song gets inside you and then you die because you're going crazy? Their cry is just like a bloodless time spell. Yes. I don't know. I haven't watched the rest of this anime. <laughs> So I, I guess important questions to ask here. So you, with episodes one and two, see a version of reality where Keiichi brutally murders Reina, but you also see a lot of hints that maybe Reina is trying to kill Keiichi. So what do you feel is happening? I thought it played into each other. Well, play, explain, explain your theory. That's fair. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not enough for you? Um, so I think he is getting increasingly paranoid he's having these flashbacks of why would i kill this girl but she's doing all of these really creepy really sus things and i think that makes him eventually kill her that happens in one of the agatha christie short stories where this man sees someone killing his fiance and it turns out eventually to be him doing it so like that's the vibe that i got it's hill house all over again oh yeah sure yeah hang Broke breakneck breakneck lady or whatever the fuck her name yeah, is. Yeah. The breakdance lady. Boom ba doom. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like step up three. Step up three, haunted hill house. <laughs> <laughs> so but I guess so do you think it's all paranoia or do you think it's justified? Like do you think eventually she tries to like kill him and she retaliates? Like do you think or do you think it's all paranoia? Oh no no, I think this is very justified paranoia and i think she is actively trying to kill this little boy she keeps like snapping in and out of it and like going feral and i was or not feral i guess but just like really dazed and then shows up with a hatchet and then is like about to like cut his fucking head off and i was like what the fuck what the fuck reina so i think she yeah she is gonna kill him first out of self-defense because she remembered like she doesn't like remember but she has a feeling about like him murdering everyone from a different time and so like she'll just like snap and be like I gotta murder him before he murders me and everyone I love. Oh. Dang, I didn't take that Damn. angle. That's really good. And why do you think it's just them two? Why do you think, like, Satoko and Mion, like, aren't, like... even Because, like, Mion is also beat to death with a baseball bat in that opening scene. Um, I think it's probably <laughs> because of, like, the feelings they have for each other. So it's a bigger betrayal. Because, obviously, they are, like... It looks like they're being set up as love interests you oh, know for with sure. all the blushing What's that so I think it's they just are. a romantic betrayal you know what I mean like where do you think Mion comes into this then I mm, I just think she's collateral damage honestly yeah like she was just so there too. when the, the spree happened yeah I honestly I think it's just like leave no witnesses kind of thing or he's become so paranoid and so crazed that's just anyone in the way is it's over yeah, he heard the curse cry of the cicadas. The curse cry of the cicadas. That's <laughs> the it. The curse of the cicadas. That's it. 
I think it's more of a, like, they were about to, like, get in a brawl. And since she seems like she's the oldest and the more responsible, she's, she's definitely, the like, leader. that mom friend, yes. you know? And she's like, oh, no, like, don't kill, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I'm out of my way. Fair gay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> do it again. Oh, God. And he might have. He might be there in a time loop where he has done this over and over and yeah. over again. You know what has happened over and over again? Uh-oh. Reyna keeps collecting fast food mascot statues. She does. Yes. <laughs> Including a red mailbox. Good for like, her. I love this for, for her. her. <laughs> Everyone has to have a hobby, and hers is collecting fast food mascots. The, like, juxtaposition in this anime is so funny to me, like, because, you know, you get that, like, intense, like, brutal murder scene right up top, and then it just goes into, like, it's this very slice of life heist, like, you know, uh, inter-great, inter- integrated school anime yeah right. and like reyna is such a sweetheart and like she everyone's just... so adorable they you know yeah. and they keep all finding over how cute rika is and she absolutely yeah. is yeah no it it's very juxtaposed juxtaposed with the slice of life these kids are just being kids and they're all adorable except for um Satoko, and then immediately flipping the switch and being like, uh, we went up against the government because they wanted to demolish us. And we we eventually won. And he was like, oh, cool. That's awesome. Was anyone like hurt in the scuffle? She's like, absolutely not. And I went, oh, my God. No. <laughs> yeah, they keep doing that like close up on the mouth. And they're like, no, no, it is. A, <laughs> Shut up. Oh, my Leave God. Me alone. And like Don't all the questions. music that was playing like completely stopped. So like, yes! you no know, sounds even more like isolated and weird. It happened a couple times. And it's so off putting because you're like, oh, this is just a normal scene with normal dialogue. Oh, my God. It's not. Something's happening. Like it really goes that very like cute cutesy route whereas like in another it's like really creepy like nothing scary happens episode one but it's just like really creepy and it's not like being like oh we're all cute everything's innocent so when shit hits the fan like it's more of a like oh no like you know what i mean yeah oh my god yeah i'm kind of sad i didn't watch all of this prior i'm glad you did it because i do feel it is important to maybe watch if you're gonna watch all of it to maybe watch the original first right all of the original what if i was like oh yeah i watched all of this and you're like well this is the thing that all of like the youtubers i was watching said like if you watched all of this you probably were like wow this is very interesting but you were also probably a little lost (laughs) because there's a lot of (laughs) reference to the original and like when stuff happens a lot of times it is very like oh well that's just a reference to when this happened in the original but like to you as a new viewer you're just like well this is just happening you know yeah you can feel that this is bigger than itself well yeah i mean the second that you get into episode two and you're in the sea of fragments like what the fuck yeah it's it's bigger than this one anime. And so when we get to, speaking of that, I mean, we'll get to music when we get to music, but that's why it was so important. And again, this was like a, like a, it's an interesting moment for us. But if you've seen the original, it's such a sick, nasty moment. At the end of episode one, when everything's like being very creepy and ominous, the music that plays is actually the OP to the original anime. Oh, that's cool. I was watching these two episodes with PJ. He had already seen them. And mm-hmm. he explained that to me. And I was like, man, that's such a fucking treat for the people that watch the original. I was like, I would have flipped my shit. Like, if I had been one of those person, I'd be like, that's so fucking cool. It sounds like this was made with a lot of love and respect for 
the original. Yeah, so I mean, I'm about to make a reference to a thing you guys don't know that much about. Oh, okay. good. But this That's is more for life. our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so recently, there was a uh, a game that came out, which was Final Fantasy VII Remake. Is marketed as a remake to Final Fantasy VII, a game that came out, you know, in the two- early 2000s. Right. When you start playing it as a player who has maybe never played Final Fantasy VII, you're like, oh, this is very interesting. You know, the story's there, and you have these weird, like, wraiths that attack you every once in a while. Whatever. That's just a thing. What you don't get is very similar to this, is that just why how this is called Higurashi When They Cry New, and people are like, oh, because it's a remake. Same thing with Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's called Final Fantasy VII Remake, and people are like, oh, because they wanted to know that it's a remake. But no, that title is important to the plot. Just like this is new because it's a new time loop, the Final Fantasy VII Remake is about someone remaking the Final Fantasy VII world. So you're playing through the main story of Final Fantasy VII, and then randomly it will deviate. And when those deviations happen, these like time wraiths attack you because you're deviating from the timeline of the Whoa. original games. And like I think, and I know this for a fact because I spoke to former podcast guest Dane about it, and Dane had never played the originals, and he's like, oh, I just didn't get what those were. I thought that was part of the story. And I was like, no, that's any time a deviation happened because someone is remaking the world and the story that we've already played through and that's why it's called remake same thing with this one it's 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 like this very fun thing that is happening in media where people are like it's a remake but it's not a remake uh which i love because i also feel like people are getting tired of remakes so i like that some that there's like this like new subgenre of like turning remakes on their head Right. Yeah. As soon as you said that this was based off games by Square Enix, I was like, of course it is. It's not a Square Enix the game. The games are not that's by not... Square Enix. The games are not by Square Enix. Wait, you I said, said the Square... manga was published by Square Enix. Square Enix was involved in some way. I was like, of course it was. You couldn't have an overcomplicated, hard to follow story without it being Square Enix. <laughs> Look at you, Kingdom Hearts. And apparently Final <laughs> Fantasy. I mean, yeah, the Japanese love their convoluted multi-world span- spanning 18 title timelines. <laughs> 18 titles. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, like, look at the Final Fantasy games, the, I mean, a lot of Square Enix products, you know, and obviously we get to do this is very like that, but it's it's very big over there to have, uh, you know, like these huge spanning worlds, kind of like, you know, we have it, things like Game of Thrones or whatever, but their versions are just so, like, intense and wild, and this second season is actually happens in between season three and season one somehow, and, like, this character is dead in this one but it's actually because it's a re it's an alternate timeline version of the character from the remake show and it's like all this stuff you know someday when you have a lot of time to kill let me talk at you about kingdom hearts the timeline for it and you'll understand you'll (laughs) i mean you won't understand but you'll understand (laughs) right right so, like, even, like, in episode one, when, you know, when he's like, oh, you guys fucked me over with that card game. It's a reference to the card game they played in episode one of the original. Oh. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> and when he's going through the lockers and finding stuff, it's a lot of references to be- things be- that he fought that are important in other episodes in the original. That's so cool. Were there other, I mean, it happened probably throughout both of them a lot where you had references to the original. Um, Were there any like really big things that you were like, that's so fucking cool? I think the biggest thing that's interesting, again, is is the murder right so in the original it is very much like hey this scene is here kind of just heads up that might happen at some point in this one he remembers it so what 
I feel like the reference is is that he has a vague recollection of when it happened in the other time loop. You get that when he's unearthing Colonel Sanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This reminds me a little bit of a theory we just saw on uh, TikTok where um, this girl was just like, yeah, like, so anytime you die, you just pop up, your conscious just pops up in a different, like, timeline and things, like, keep going. She's like, do you really not think we've had multiple, like, apocalypses? Like, the dinosaurs were completely wiped out and you think, like, we're just lucky? Yeah, anytime we die, we just pop over into a different timeline and that's how we get um, Mandela effect. Meanwhile, last night I was yelling at Lauren about how I think Mandela Effect is just a bunch of people with bad memories being idiots. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually. He actually this was like just legit about last that. night. Uh, like a few hours ago. I'm reading a book about that right now, actually, where this girl wakes up and she like remembers past lives she's had, but she's living a brand new life. So like, this is a popular thing. Villainous, all roads lead to doom. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing as like, you know, it's a thing that I am very obsessed with. It's just what would have happened if things had gone differently? Or, uh, yes. you know, I'm constantly sitting there like, wow, what if? can you imagine if this had happened? What if this had happened? What if it, things had gone like this? Like, I'm constantly just imagining what these alternate realities of our lives would look like. Mm-hmm. Our sliding it's doors. True. It's it's sliding doors too from Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh God, Kimmy Schmidt was so good. Kimmy Schmidt was so good. But yeah, I mean, all that said, I mean, it's just it's a lot that goes on in these episodes, and there's a lot of context to it too. Just going through just what all of this means and everything that's going on. It's very heady and very heavy while also almost nothing happening at the same time. They do a really mm-hmm. good job of balancing, kind of just making you be like, well, what is happening here? Absolutely. Even like when Rika is doing the the sac- the sacred dance. Which was a beautiful segment of animation, by the way. I was like so mesmerized. But the movements were very similar to beating Reina and Mion to death with a bat. <laughs> I stop. I know. It's I all interpretive. It was just a nice dance. But uh, there was, I thought, I figured some foreshadowing um, when they were at the festival because the kids were like, oh, yeah, we're going to have plenty of time to hang out. But like Rika's going to play an important part in the end. I was like, sure shit is. Yeah, uh, it's very commonly established that in the original, Rika is the secret protagonist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, I figured she was when she was the the chosen one to go back to this timeline and like fix it or like so make it's it like different. not even chosen like that's just her lot in life is it because she is a priestess of this goddess is the one that's aware of what's happening mm-hmm. got it okay all that said though i feel like we've kind of gone through the gamut here let's talk about the music of higurashi when they cry mm-hmm. obviously we had the original op that played that original op was higurashi no naku koroni by eiko shimamiya So obviously that's like 
if you weren't paying that much attention to it, that's fine because it it was kind of just there, and then you get the real intro and outro, so it's easy to be like, yeah, it was whatever. But what did you think of it? Did you like it? I did. I thought it was really pretty and very ethereal. No, I loved it. I was just like, oh, this is great. I thought it was going to be the outro song, and PJ was like, yeah, this is the uh, original OP, and I was like, fuck, that's sick. And it's really good. I got really like excited about it. Yeah, I was very excited because I had watched the original first because I was like very determined to do the original. And then when I watched the remake, I was like, oh, wait, no, this is just as viable. But because I'd watched the original, when I when it came up in this, I was like, ooh, the OP. Are they bringing it back? <laughs> and then they weren't. But it was fine with it because I liked the nod, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Subtle. It was great. Mm-hmm. And then we get the actual intro and outro. So the intro song is I Believe What You Said by Asuka. Lauren, what do you think of that? Very disorienting and a little, um, a little off-putting. Kind of like I know you guys might not know this reference, but um, the beginning of Wicked, the first like chords of the opening song are just a little bit off to like put you on edge and to make you realize it's you're not gonna see something that's really like cohesive and it's supposed to be different. And I got the same vibes for this song. And now, is that because of just the song or because it's paired with the visuals? I mean, it kept me on the edge of my seat the entire time with the visuals, but I thought even some of like the chords and like the progression and like, I was like, this isn't your typical song. Like there's something about the way they built it that is meant, I think, to keep you on your toes. I mean, yeah, I really like this intro, but it is very like, you know, not despondent. That's not the word, but it's very like disparate. Yeah, disparate. That's the word. No, disparate. Like each part is very separate from itself. And like, Mm. it's it's very disorienting. It's a lot of disses. Uh, But I'm not dissing this song because I think it's really good. And the visuals are very engaging. Right. Oh, God. I liked it a lot. I feel like sometimes like horror music is very not great. (laughs) <laughs> like a lot of OPs like I wasn't a huge fan of like Corpse Party OP and the another one really took a long time to grow on me mm-hmm. um but right out of the gate I was like this is great I immediately put it on my anime playlist and it's just a fun song it's just uh it's a fun song and I really liked it and then I think uh the visuals were like really sick it was very like kind of like snuff film like with the graininess and stuff Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. i was like this is a good time yeah i agree all right well then let's talk about the outro song which is god syndrome by ayane
Lauren, what did you think of that one? Um, I'm glad it was more of a come down than the the intro because I was very stressed out the entire time. So I was like, at least I have this to like kind of calm me down. And then the visuals hit and I was like, this is not a good time. The visuals start off so calm and relaxing. Yes. And then quickly they transition into that like oil on canvas look. And it starts yes. being like weird things that, you know, like you start seeing like everyone's like very broken home life and like mm-hmm. these terrible things just happening societally for these people. And then it obviously ends with that like very strikingly painted vision of him murdering everyone yes right. but the song wonderful song delightful great. soft yes. and soft and melodic in a very sweet way i agree yeah. when i closed my eyes listening to it again i was like i do enjoy this song when yeah. i don't have these very despondent visuals <laughs> in front of me you know when it started i was like yeah that's the formula Great, so glad. Calm us down, and the visuals start. I was like, finally, some good fucking food. Like, <laughs> okay, I was Gordon like, Ramsay. this is what I'm here for. Oh my god. Uh, so then let's uh, let's do our segment then. What modern or contemporary artists do you think would have done a good job with these anime intros and outros? Uh, and we'll kick it off with I believe what you said, uh, Lauren. Who do you think would have done a good job with that? I have choices this week. That's all Ooh. I'm going to say. I just have choices. So for the intro, I kept getting the same vocal similarities between the intro and the outro. So for the intro, I picked Lady Gaga. Okay. Okay. I can, I can see it. There's a lot of the different chord progressions. I think she could handle the intensity I, and the I softness. I think she could do it. I don't think she would do it. Yeah, that's is fair. This a, is this a Gwen Stefani gun to the head? <laughs> Once again, the return of the segment we introduced in another, which is what modern or contemporary artists would do these anime intros and outros if you put a gun to their head? <laughs> and this week is Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That's uh, that's who I picked. So you guys give me the better options. I I am gonna go with a cheap answer, but I just I it's it's the right answer to me. And I mean it's. <sighs> I mean, so who would do this? Who would write this song is Darren Smith, songster of Repo the Genetic Opera. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes, I see that. Who would perform the song? Who would perform the song? You would think I would go Sierra. I'm going to go Alexa. Oh, my God. Alexa Vega? Yeah. Yes. Huh. She would. She would, too. This slaps. I would listen to this. Yeah, I'm going to go, you know, Darren writing for Alexa uh, via Repo the Genetic Opera. What about you, Sky? Um, I went with a gothic metal band called Nemesis. I think her voice really matches up to it. And of course, it's gothic. Well, it's not gothic. They start out as gothic metal, but they've really uh, transformed to gothic alt rock. And so mm. the the alt rock is the part that I would equate this to. <laughs> you always hate Absolutely. to see that transition from metal to alt rock. R.I.P. in peace. <laughs> in peace. <laughs> Honestly, both are really good. I was bouncing between their like early stuff and their old stuff, and it was, it was really good. I liked both. That's good. Uh, let's move on to the outro song then, which is God Syndrome. Lauren, who did you pick for that? I was just gonna say, I just I chose Pink. <laughs> Pink's not bad. I feel like Pink's voice is like too rough for this. For the 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 sweet melody of it. Yeah. But like I don't I think I think Pink in like 2011 could have done this. I think she could have. I like there's a lot of her ballads that I really like and they make me feel things. So 
They make me feel an emotion. Well, what about you, Sky? This sounds so similar to someone. And I literally was, I just didn't have enough time to figure out who exactly it sounds like. And it was very upsetting. And I just went with like Michelle Branch. Michelle but, like, Branch the- was on my list mm. for sure. Okay. Because I feel like it has that, you know, early 2000s, like, coffee shop ballad vibe to it. Also, though, I mean, so I think Michelle Branch is a great choice. So I don't think you Mm -hmm. should feel bad Mm -hmm. for picking it. No, not at all. You want to hear something super weird about who my brain originally went with before I tell you who I actually went with? Yes. Yes. When it very first started, I was like, you know who this fucking sounds exactly like? Shakira. What? You thought oh, Shakira? Like the instrumental yeah, well, part? No, like the sing- the very beginning, the singing, the vibe, everything reminded me of the before the hype part of Try Everything from Zootopia. Oh. Okay, okay. But the second it didn't go into a crescendo, I was like, okay, so it's not Shakira. And I went with <laughs> Anna Nalik, singer okay, of Breathe okay. 2 AM. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I see it. I like it. That's a good answer. Skylar's just mm-hmm. mad because she can't remember the... It's like when we had... I forget what episode we did, but we, yeah. me and Skylar are just mad that we couldn't remember who we actually wish we could say. Oh, <laughs> was that what I was with you where you got your Spotify playlist? Yes. And yeah. you know what? I got... I Update. I got my entire Spotify history sent to me finally and geez louise have i listened to a lot of music in my life it will take me weeks of research to dig through this and find the song <laughs> do you even remember what anime it was from what anime we were doing no yeah. i barely was it, remember was it moriarty or was it oh no no, no, no. it was uh it was uh, it invaded the outro yes 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 because it was that whoa from the other side song Yes, and you were like, there is an artist out there who's perfect for this, and I can't remember who it is, and Skylar was like, yes, I've heard them too, but I don't know who it is. Yeah, no, I've got my entire Spotify history in my inbox, It's and I opened it, and I was like, this is going to literally take so long to see, just like to sift through, but we'll get there someday. We'll get another update on this, but until we get that update, that is the end of our music segment today. Uh, phenomenal choices <laughs> Lauren's all around. Lauren's been like dragging out the music segment so we don't have to go into the context <laughs> clips. Oh, look, we're all of a sudden done. Yeah. Oh, phenomenal great. choices all around. You love to see it. And we're going to love to see maybe Lauren some additional context for Higurashi When They Cry New. So uh, stay tuned, everyone, when we come back with Lauren's final thoughts and final fears. All right, we're back. We saw some additional clips, saw some additional context, saw some additional, a lot of additional murders, just so many additional murders. Oh, my God. Uh, Lauren, tell me after all that, what did you think? I'm very intrigued by the the plot and how intricately it's woven. It was a lot of death. I'm sensing a little bit of romantic tension. Oh, between um, Riku. Rika and Satoko. Oh, yeah, Rika. Uh, you know what? Yeah, it's I, I, it's very played, like very intense friendship, but like the level that it's going at, it's like no, this is more than that. It reminds oh, me of sure. Jennifer's body a little bit, like needy and Jennifer's kind of relationship. Yeah, this is very Jennifer's body in that, like, oh, like you're moving kind of on without me thing. Yes, yes. But there, but that like unrequited lesbian tension. Yeah. <laughs> Like, okay, so it's definitely not, like, the violent, the most violent that we've seen, but, like, 
Are you sure? Do you remember that second clip I showed you that I literally had to tell Laura to stop watching for? I closed my eyes the entire time. I don't, I just feel like nothing will compare to evisceration scene and being Oh, well, yes. Okay. Nothing will ever be as gruesome as Corpse Party. It's called (laughs) Corpse Party. (laughs) I feel like, uh, because even another, people like talk about how that's one of the most violent animes. And I feel like, not not really cuz a lot of their deaths were actually like censored like yes it was pretty violent and you saw some of it but a lot of it was censored whereas this like there was a lot of like nose crunching which i can't do very well you know, I, you know the amount of the amount of bulged out eyes i saw yeah. in these clips wow i literally that's why i had you watch the clip i was like watch how watch how intensely they animate people's heads being bashed in honestly Ugh. Uh, anytime, like, after seeing all the nose punching, I was just like, thank God it's the top of the head and not the front of the head. Like, (laughs) (laughs) eyes, I mean, before the eyes popped out, they're already dead, so that's fine. But when you're getting punched to the nose, you're still alive for that. Skylar hates her nose, by the way. Hates her nose being touched, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I literally stopped being friends with someone who, like, lightly, like, uh, hit me in the nose. Pro tip, and he went out there. Don't touch Skylar's nose. <laughs> I will, like, punch you in the fucking throat and never speak to you again. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, after all of that, tell me, Lord, did you end up with a favorite character? I did. Um, I... It's the obvious choice, but uh, Rika. It's Rika, right? Yeah. yeah. Rika is best girl and also most tortured girl. <laughs> Poor thing. Poor thing. Poor thing's the only one that knows what's going on. She does. And I mean, it kind of leads you to believe this is going to be about uh, Reyna and Keichi. But yeah, no, Reyna's best girl. Yeah. And I mean, Riga is kind of, again, like what we talked about, it's kind of like the silent protagonist of the first one. Mm-hmm. And like, it kind of comes up like, I think the story will always make you think it's like a Reyna and Keichi story, but it's always going to be a Riga story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that my initial instincts of Satoko were fucking accurate. Yes. Fuck that bitch. Ugh, Fuck the that worst. bitch. Wait, but I didn't ask you who your least favorite character is. I said, who's your favorite character? Turtle Sanders, obviously. Obviously. Do oh, my mean God. Do you you culturally insensitive I monster? I know. I'm sorry. I How did I remember. not think of Kentakun? <laughs> <laughs> Our new Christmas tradition. Lauren, there you, you gonna go. get some KFC with us? I'll get some KFC. Oh, oh God. Uh, yes. Uh, we'll have a traditional Japanese Christmas. No, it, it's definitely... Uh, is her name Rika? Rika. Rika. Yeah. It's definitely Rika. During the like that confrontation where it's just like her getting her shit rocked, like she comes back and like with a deeper voice and it's just like... So fucking powerful. And I'm just like, yes, get it. Get it, girl. Obviously, no really other choice. The other characters are cool and fine, but Rika is uh, best girl. Tell me then, we have your thoughts, your favorite character. And I mean, there's really only one thing left to do. So I am actually here to let you know that not, not only was this episode a remake slash sequel this reality that we're in right now is a sequel slash remake we've done all of this before you might just not remember the only way to break us out of the time loop is for us to get the one 
most important question answered. And that question is, to get us out of this time loop once and for all, Lauren, will you keep watching Higurashi when they cry? Okay, listen. <laughs> um, I'm very intrigued by the story and the characters. I might have to read what happens because I do want to find out what happens. I don't know if I could handle it horror story-wise. <laughs> you could just have uh, PJ do what he did for me. Yeah, I'll just uh, relay the entire plot to you. <laughs> that is totally fine because I I'm very intrigued. I do want to know how it all comes together. I could not handle the level of everything that's going on. So then, I mean, I can't imagine we could call that a full kawaii success, but it also isn't a kawaii disappointment. No, so we are going to call this a kawaii desume. <laughs> Our newest ranking introduced here today, the Kawaii Desu Meh, reserved for anime that maybe aren't a true disappointment, but we will not continue to watch. And we will crown Higurashi when they cry an unfortunate Kawaii Desu Meh, because I feel, obviously, you are very intrigued. You just can't handle the horror. And obviously, I thank you deeply and truly for uh, coming on very last minute. I asked you to do this episode last night. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) subjected you to this. So I appreciate you. But regardless, we'll consider that our first Kawaii Desu Meh in the book. But I, I still think this was a very intriguing time and clearly a very captivating story. That's not where the story ends, though. Is there an MV for that? AMV, anime music videos. Is there an MV for that? All right, Lauren, you know the rules. Why don't you give me a song and artist and also Skylar for Higurashi When They Cry? So I went for a song that I think is equally as creepy as the first two episodes that I saw before I saw all the context and all of the all of the murder. I went with Secret by the Pierces. I don't know that song. Yes, you do. I do? You do. I think everybody does. I'm going to play it right now and you will be like, oh, yeah, I know this song. Oh, the goss or the um, pretty little dead. Yeah. (laughs) I was like dead gossip girl. Dead Gossip Girl, Pretty Little Liars, yeah. While it is in a horror anime compilation AMV, we will still count that as an AMV for Secret by the Pierces to Higurashi When They Cry, though it is also an AMV for Elfin Lead, Another, and Miraniki. Should I get the one and a half points? <laughs> uh, no, because at the end of the day, you were right. The vibe fits. There is still an AMV for Higurashi When They Cry to Secret by the Pierces. So that is three points in the book. Wow. Skylar, what about you? I'm going to go with Chop Suey. Way to be boring. It's not boring. <laughs> There's like a bunch of fucking death. It's probably not there. No, there is a lot of Higurashi When They Cry Chop Suey AMVs. I was focusing on the chop part. Right. Because you have to right. remember, the original came out at the height of amv That's true. You're right. We are going to, however, retroactively, I'm going to adjust this. I'm going to give you both 2.5 points. Okay. Okay. Because while there is AMVs for Secret by the Pierces and Chop Suey by System of Down, they are both to the original Higurashi when they cry, not go. See, but uh, PJ... So- um, what you don't know is we've already done this. <laughs> oh, so, no. <laughs> we've already done this. So this is our second time doing it. And I'm just referring to um, a different timeline. So it's. Three well, points. in <laughs> this timeline, you both get 2.5 points. <laughs> Together, that's 
five points. Together, that's five points. And heck, who knows? Maybe we'll round this out completely. Oh, yeah. With that said, it's time for our super secret, not so secret bonus round. Is there an AMV for um, Hikarashi when they cry new to Evanescence Bring Me to Life? Do you think there's going to be one, Lauren? Uh, Absolutely. They're all being brought back to life. (laughs) 100%. There are many for both, both for the original and for the new one. Yeah. (laughs) All those lives being brought back. Yeah. So with that, we end up with a solid 3.5 points in the book. Our first kawaii desume, our first point, uh, our first half point. A you lot know, of it's just a, it's just a lot of firsts as we go through our last episode of Horror Month. As always, thank you, Lord. Especially thank you for this episode, as I've already thanked you before. Uh, I hope that you uh, aren't completely traumatized, and our listeners, I hope you had a good time. But that's not the only type of time I hope you had. I hope you had a time loop time, a spooky, time. Uh, severely bashed in skull time, a oh. stabbed in the stomach multiple times time <laughs> i a hope beat that these to times did not happen to you time, time time they did happen to all of you times time <laughs> because this time. is the 87th time loop time and you've died a lot of times time and you will stop dying if you leave us a five-star review on itunes time oh my god <laughs> But with that said, uh, thank you so much for your time, Lauren, and our listeners for listening with us. Thank you all. Until next time, we hope your wait isn't a kawaii disappointment. I've been PJ. I've been Skylar. I've been Lauren. That's Higurashi when they cry, baby. Baby. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Pod. On Facebook, you can also find the official Kawaii Disappointment group where you can interact with us as well as other fans of the podcast. Or go to our website, kawaiidesupod.com, for links to the socials as well as all of our episodes. That's K-A-W-A-I-I-D-E-S-U-P-O-D.com. Spread the word about us, and if you feel so inclined, leave a review on iTunes. It really does help. 